0: W-B-N-E
1: Hello and welcome to episode 69 (laughs) 69 All about Fellowship of the Ring Theatrical Edition Part 3 Being the 69th (laughs) part of That's What I'm Talking About My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. And today I'm joined by Adol Raffai of Hello from the Magic Tavern and one of my favorite podcasts. Hey Riddle Riddle. Welcome, Adol.
0: Ooh, thank you so much for having me.
1: Yeah, it's been really fun listening to Hey Riddle Riddle, especially the some of the recent episodes, because you guys have you talk about Lord of the Rings all the time. So
0: I don't uh, recall, but I trust you that we have. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it was just like really funny because I feel like my life has become, it's become Lord of the Rings recently, Mm.
0: truthfully. I can imagine. I feel like we do, maybe this is somewhat recently or maybe this is like an inside joke that we've recently started to talk about on the podcast, but I feel like Japes and I a lot of times will out of nowhere we're well, not necessarily out of nowhere but we'll constantly say and my axe <laughs> yeah <laughs> just whenever there, if there's like scheduling or something where it's like well I can do this and I can do that and someone would be like "And my axe so I think it's <laughs> definitely just like a throwaway line that we've started to talk about maybe more or bring up more on the podcast
1: oh it's great it's great so tell me a little bit about your experience with Lord of the Rings how did you get into it and do you have any memories associated with the first time you watched the movies
0: yeah, so the movies I got into, I can't. Do you do you know the year the movie came out? Was it like ninety? Um, Fellowship of the
1: Ring came out two thousand one, I believe. Two thousand one. And okay. then I think Return of the King was two thousand three. So they came out uh, back to back to back, basically.
0: Gotcha. All I remember is that my sister was at Southern uh, College in Carbondale, Illinois, and I remember visiting her, and we went and saw the first movie in the theaters, and I remember being like, "This is the most." and we saw like a midnight showing or something so it was like right when it when it came out and I remember being like this is the most epic like sweeping grandiose movie I've ever seen it, it's incredible and I remember whenever I got back to I guess when I I, I guess it would have been uh, my college um, Illinois State I went and saw it again so I was very <laughs> much and I had read the books maybe as a sophomore in high school sophomore and junior I, I read the trilogy and I was very much into it but it was a little much like Game of Throne the Game of Thrones books are it's a little dense just mm-hmm. in terms of <laughs> the way my brain works is like I love wordplay I love cleverness I love um, I love details and stuff but I think all this like and then from rash rash, the mushkos went to morbop and the skimkuz, and I'm just like <laughs> My brain can't compartmentalize that. So it all washes over my brain and like my mental net will catch like five things, but a hundred go by. Mm-hmm. So I have no sense of mapping in terms of where stuff is. Oh yeah. I, I often conflate the names of places. So I really did enjoy the books, and Legolas was my favorite from the books. And then seeing the movies. I was like, oh, this all is, is so much more palatable to me now. Mm-hmm. And I prefer, I do prefer books. I'm I'm an avid reader, but when it comes to high fantasy, I just cannot, w- with a lot of the names and a lot of the, the locations, I just cannot It's uh, chew it down.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you were very kind in saying that when you started the books, it was a little bit dense. That yeah. is like, <laughs> that is putting it lightly. And... I mean, hey, like props to you for even watching the movies and being like, oh, let me read the books because a lot yeah. of people have, you know, they're movie fans only. They've never read the books because it's it's hard to read. And had I not been podcasting and reading it chapter by chapter, I wouldn't have finished it. I would have made it. I don't know. F- four chapters. In, yeah. And that would have I been it.
0: I can't remember if it's if it's the trilogy or the Hobbit, but one of them starts and it's like, oh, my gosh, reader you are going to be so lost. Let me give you a little bit of history of the humans. And so it's like, here's here's a helpful little cheat sheet. Uh, Mick Doctus 14th fell in uh, the quantum year to Fopalop and it's just like, this isn't, he- whatever you think this is, this is not helpful. This yeah. is unnecessary. Just reading that that cheat sheet of human history or whatever it is, it's like, makes it 10 times more daunting. So it's like, Tolkien, I don't know what you think you're doing, but this is not helpful.
1: Yeah, he uh, he loved that backstory. He he loved I would say all the time when reading the books that Tolkien was very much like, if I don't insert every single detail to this world. Someone is going to pull on, someone's going to find a loose thread in this tapestry yeah. of a world and they are going to <laughs> unravel the entire thing. Mm-hmm. He truthfully did not leave anything up to the imagination. And I 100% agree with you that the movies are much more palatable and much more easier uh, to consume. Do mm-hmm. you, so since you have those memories watching it, like, the night it came out, basically, and just being in awe of it. Do you watching it now? Do you feel like it still holds up, or, or are you able to to see those moments where it hasn't held up? What What are you feel your feelings there?
0: Yeah, and I've I've honestly, like, since they first came out in theaters, I feel like I've seen the trilogies, the extended versions. I've watched them. Uh, back to back to back every two or three years, I'll watch them. So it's not something that I've like left to linger and then I come back and I'm like, old friend. I I watch them consistently because I think they're epic. I think they're like our generation's Godfather trilogy. (laughs) Um, The one thing, I feel like they hold up very, very well. The one thing, the one weird thing that I feel like doesn't hold up is there's like a weird camera trick they continuously use. (laughs) <laughs> which is like it's it's their attempt at slow motion yep. and i'm not i'm not well versed enough in in, uh, in uh, photography or <laughs> camera work to to sort of articulate it but there's a camera trick they keep using where it's like their slow motion and it's like versus actual slow motion it's like they maintain speed but they slow down the frame rate or something yeah yeah and it looks corny and weird and like it it just reeks of uh, of a uh, bygone era of like, let's try this out and this will be the new, this will be like the new technology and nobody else did it. And so they stand alone as like the one failure.
1: Exactly. Are, uh, specifically, are you referring to the, the stuff with the orcs towards mm-hmm. the end? Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 A hundred percent agree with you it's there. so weird. And it's it looks so bad. truly terrible and awful. So.
0: And I also <laughs> never realized until maybe this this watch, I also just watched it like a month or so ago because my fiance is going through the books. And after each book, we we said we'd watch the movies together. So she just finished the first book a while ago. I never noticed how often Frodo falls backwards, <laughs> like clutching the <laughs> ring. It's like 20 times in the movie, he falls backwards while holding the ring. And then also it's like on a chain around his neck. And several times he falls backwards, gripping the ring and the whole chain comes off. And then yeah. he puts it back on. And I'm like... Oh, no no no, that chain ruined. Like <laughs> you don't understand how chains work.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Some questionable Elijah Wood acting, I would yeah. say.
0: But it, but if in like a 9-hour epic series my one qualm is like weird frame rate and and a broken, and chain. broken it's, chain it's, it's mm-hmm. a pretty tight ship they're running.
1: So, that being said, I will uh I will warn you. I'm not going to be kind to the special effects oh, par- yeah. particularly In Moria, so... Okay. I'd do this with love, but... (laughs) Have you discussed, have you (laughs)
0: discussed, because I feel like you mentioned Tolkien being so specific so people couldn't poke holes or pull threads. Have you mentioned or discussed the whole theory of... When Gandalf says fly you fools, he means to get on the giant eagles and fly the ring.
1: Yeah, we will okay. We will definitely get to that. Mary Clay from the future here with another movie summary and we'll see how long it is this time. Do I regret doing this? Yes. Will I continue doing it? I don't know. You tell me. The Fellowship make their way to a tomb, where they read a super ominous account of what happened in the mines. A certain fool of a Took draws attention to the group and they are attacked by goblins and a troll. Frodo gets stabbed. RIP Frodo. Except he's wearing Bilbo's old Mithril chainmail, which makes him conveniently indestructible. What a triumphant win for the Fellowship. I'm sure they all make it out of Moria A-OK. After struggling to hop over a gap in some stairs, they arrive at the Bridge of Khazad Doom. Just when you think it's going well, a wild Balrog appears, defeating Gandalf and dragging him down into the depths of Moria. Without Gandalf to lead them anymore, Aragorn launches into ranger mode and forces them all to keep moving to the safety of Lothlorien. The elves seem oddly chill with letting the fellowship in, despite the fact that Frodo carries an evil ring and Gimli is a dwarf, but whatever. Galadriel makes a grand entrance and like the rest of us, the fellowship are both mesmerized and a little terrified of her, especially when she does weird elf mind reading magic on them. The fellowship rests, Boromir and Aragorn have a nice moment that seems to completely resolve all of their weird tensions, and Galadriel wakes up Frodo to lead him to the mirror of Galadriel. She is shady AF. In the mirror, Frodo sees the future that will come if the ring is not destroyed, which includes the destruction of the Shire that definitely doesn't actually happen because I'm sure everything is totally fine right now in the Shire and that Saruman isn't taking things over as we speak. Galadriel is tempted by the ring but goes exorcist mode for a hot sec before passing the test and deciding it's time to peace out. She tells Frodo that he has a hard decision to make but that even the smallest choices can change the course of the future, aka your vote matters, please vote! Meanwhile, Saruman is face-palming his orcs with paint and sets the Uruk-Kai out on their mission to find the halflings and kill anyone else, especially if their name is Sean Beam. The gang leave Lorien, and Galadriel gives Frodo the light of Eriandil to bring him light when the world is most dark. Nothing for anyone else, though, and none for Gretchen Wieners. Reaching a stopping point on the river, the Fellowship must decide what to do next, when suddenly Frodo, the one person they're supposed to be guarding, disappears! In a plot twist no one saw coming, Boromir is taken over by the power of the ring and attempts to steal it from Frodo and use it for Gondor. Frodo escapes, and Aragorn finds him, realizing that Frodo can't go on with the rest of the fellowship in case the same thing happens to them. This is a good decision, because it would be a waste of time if part of the next movie was spent on someone wanting to use the ring for their own purposes, like, say, defending Gondor or proving yourself to your terrible father. A bunch of orcs miraculously appear that no one heard coming for some reason, and a battle ensues. Merry and Pippin help Frodo escape unnoticed. Boromir protects them in a last stand and takes an arrow to the knee, I mean chest, and is defeated. Also, Aragorn gets pinned to a tree by a shield. That's just always worth mentioning. With his dying breath, Boromir says goodbye to Aragorn and asks him not to let Gondor fall. Rip. Rest in peace. But not really. Meanwhile, Frodo is still just standing around, apparently, despite the fact that literally everyone is protecting and dying so that he can go, and finally decides to take off. Except he can't leave without his Sam. After drowning himself, Sam goes with Frodo, and they sail off into the sunset toward Mordor. Aragorn, Gimli, and Legolas yeet Boromir over a waterfall and turn their attention toward saving Merry and Pippin. Let's hunt some orc. And thus concludes The The Fellowship of of the Ring. Ring. So, this episode discussion begins with the gang is in Moria still. Gandalf has just taken them down a new path and they come out and they are in. I can't remember what it's called. It's like Dwarf Hollow or something. It's (laughs) Hydric's Hollow. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. And it's the city. And this is where. a lot of you can really or at least i can tell you know of course in my in my lens of i'm watching these movies made twenty years ago for the first time and a lot of technology has progressed since then. It uh you can really tell that they use a lot of green screen here and that there were pieces of it that they built as actual set that the actors are acting on, but the rest of it is very clearly like CGI built green mm-hmm. screen stuff. Gimli sees that there is a tomb and he goes inside this room and makes the unfortunate sad discovery that uh, his his cousin Balin is dead and they find this account that has been written that was left of what what was happening and it's very ominous and scary as Gandalf reads it it's like drums drums beating at the door we can't
0: get out they're coming we can't get out
1: yeah yeah the
0: the drums are coming from inside the cistern
1: yeah <laughs> and then every time he said because I'm a potterhead first every time he says they are coming i just think of that moment in Harry Potter Deathly Hallows when the Patronus comes and it's like they are
0: coming. Oh yeah, because
1: they use they use that for all of the trailers for Harry Potter. Because it's
0: so <laughs> ooh, it just gives you goosebumps. Um, I love that when Gandalf picked up that tome that that guy was holding, that he opened the tome and like some pages fell out and he was like rustling around. But he, I guess when he opened it, he turned directly to the page where it was like they're coming. Yeah, the drums are here. We have to run. And I wish I wished to God he would have turned to a page. that was like, hey, like it's morning, and like <laughs> Steve's being weird, and like, like yeah. uh, I I tried ice cream today, not for me. Um, <laughs> what else? What else? Like a bird came to the window, and that was cool. We're underground, so that doesn't happen a ton. But he he happened to turn directly to right the, spot to the he page, to. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And in a three hour movie, we have time to dick around a little bit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I oh, which. We'll get to it in just a second about, like, this is the reason why this movie is three hours. Yeah, it definitely suffers from, like, they happen to, you know, that typical movie trip of, like, they happen to turn, you know, you turn on the TV right as the news is you know, beginning to tell the new story (laughs) from the start so that you get that context. I think in the book, they read a lot more of that because obviously you can do that in the book. You can spend, you know, 15 pages reading this account and it's just as creepy there as it is here. And while Gandalf is reading it, he gives his stuff to Pippin to hold and Pippin backs up against a well where there is a skeleton there. And then... reaches out and touches the arrow that has pierced the body and the whole thing falls into the well. (laughs) And it's so well done because the the like clanging of the body and it's like first the head falls off and then the body and then the body is like chained to a bucket and then the bucket falls and it just keeps (laughs) going and it's really funny i think there's a really
0: good comedic director's mind where it's like they show the stuff all done well and then it's tight shot on pippin's face so that mm-hmm. every time there's a new clang, he like winces, flinches, like uh-huh. and he holds where he thinks it's done, and then there's one final thud, and they show that. So I feel like it's a good, uh, good comedic bit during a very tense scene.
1: Yeah. And then um Gandalf says one of my favorite lines from the books that one of my friends and, and former guest and also uh, co-host on the WBNE network, Valerie Winters, cross stitched me. Fool of a took, throw yourself in next time. And in the books he says, Then you will be no further nuisance. In the movie he says, And rid us of your stupidity, which slightly disappointed me, but it still, you know, packs that punch. <laughs>
0: I gotta say, like, I understand it because Pippin totally screwed over the whole I mean this whole the whole rest of what happens next is all Pippin's fault just from just from him trying to him being like oh this arrow Arrow. let me touch it then causes an hour of just chaos and death and madness (laughs) and awfulness for everyone so truly that's gonna haunt him for the rest of his life I understand that but if a wizard screamed at me like that I would every morning I'd wake up in a cold sweat like I'd never get over that (laughs) that would be that would be my identity for the rest of my life is like I'm a fool Mm. I should have thrown myself down the well like yeah this sucks yeah I also the skeleton you know the skeleton of the guy who falls on the well and Gimli's cousin who's buried in the tomb how long ago was this battle because they're they're dust and bones they're covered in cobwebs and it's like this battle looks like it took place 120 years ago.
1: Exactly. And and Gimli is very, like he is you think like word would have gotten out somehow. Yeah. That or, you know, some other, you know, outside dwarves would have come to Moria and discovered this. So yeah, it does, yeah, it does beg that question. Because Gimli thinks that his cousin and everyone is still alive when they go into that. So it had to have at least been, let's let's be generous and say it was five years ago. You mm. would think that maybe. Gimli would have been like, it's weird how my cousin stopped responding to my letters. You know, that is that is interesting. Um, I'm not sure it's described in the the book either now that I think about it. So, yeah. And then, oh, also, I want to point out this is a uh, another Vigo Mortensen fun fact. Addle, you will learn during this hour that I am yes, in please. love with Aragorn slash Vigo Mortensen, but only as Aragorn. <laughs> <laughs> during uh, so during the filming for these movies, a lot of the cast took up the hobby of surfing in New Zealand. And Viggo Mortensen one day had a terrible wipeout, and he totally bruised one side of his face. And the next day, the makeup artist tried to make the they tried to cover up all the bruising and swelling, but it was just totally not working. So during this scene, when they're reading out this account before the battle happens, Vega Mortensen is only filmed from one side because the other side ah, of his face is,
0: is totally all bruised. Yeah. They should have had where he like stepped on a rake or something at, <laughs> <And> like it, <laughs> just use it where it's like, I don't know. Let's just use it. Like yeah. Gandalf smacks him or something. And
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It would have been very un-Aragorn though, but yeah, that would yeah. have been fun. Yeah. What's this rake doing in Moria? I
0: will say this is, and again, I've probably seen the trilogy. I don't want to be hyperbolic, so I'll, maybe I'll lowball it. I've seen the trilogy maybe nine times. But this is maybe the first viewing, because I was watching it to discuss on a podcast, which I've never done with these movies, I really noticed for the first time his accent. Like, he puts a lot of mustard on the ball in terms of, like, uh, there's a moment where he's like, Legolas, Gimli. Like, yeah. <laughs> his, uh,
1: his accent in this is very interesting because I can't, the, you know, movie producers and, and everyone... D- they made this like executive decision that there was going to be no, there's no accent for this movie. Cause... Yeah.
0: And it's a, it's a fairly, it's a, eh, it's a somewhat international cast, mostly Brits, I guess, but it's a, it's in some Kiwis obviously. Yeah. But, Cause like, um,
1: um, two of the hobbits have a more Irish sounding British accent. Yeah. Sean Astin and, uh, Elijah Wood are American and they do some kind of like. Uh, oh, British oh, accent. Mr. Frodo,
0: Gandalf, <laughs> oh, Mr. Frodo, Gandalf. Oh, Mr. Frodo. They sound, they sound like a slowed down Swedish chef.
1: <laughs> oh, Mr. Frodo. <laughs> and the yeah, Viggo Mortensen has this like half British accent, but not it, really. So a
0: lot of times when he speaks in this recent, uh, just moments ago, when I watched the, the full hour, it it almost sounds like Spanish at times, where he's like, mm-hmm. "We must go to," and I'm like, n- w- "Nobody else has said it like that. What are you, <laughs> what are you doing?" But I think he's just like, I think he's like a Daniel day type where he's just a very intense actor. Mm-hmm. He puts in like a hundred more hours of homework than anybody else on set. So I think he was probably talking to the liturgist and being like, how do how does Tolkien say this is said? Or like, so I think he's the one who probably did the most work. So he's yeah. correct. But it just sounds so weird.
1: So uh, Adol, that will bring us to this week's segment of, is Viggo Mortensen actually a ranger? Um, Viga Mortensen kept his sword with him at all times offset so that he could remain in character. He was questioned by the police several times, apparently, after reviewing (laughs) his training sessions with the sword and being spotted by members of the public.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Is he actually a ranger? So this brings up a good point. Where he, again, I think he's like a Daniel Day-Lewis type. Like Daniel Day-Lewis, when he was cast in The Crucible, um, which is like- a, I
1: hope he didn't actually assault a 12-year-old.
0: He burned several <laughs> witches. He he built his own house. So he was like, I'm going to go to the woods, and for four months, I'm just going to build a cabin so I can know what it's like to build a cabin. And <laughs> that, what- that could not be a smaller part of the crucible. <laughs> the fact that he lives in a cabin, that's like the least important part of the crucible. Oh um, man. So he went and did that and for something else he like he, he became like a cobbler for a while just so he can learn how to make shoes and stuff. So he's in so Vigo's in that same ilk. Mm-hmm. So I think once he once he played a ranger, that is always a part of his personality. You don't so go I back. truly yeah. I truly believe he is a ranger. Like one tenth of him, if he's done ten big movies. One-tenth of him is each character from the movie, and he's completely lost himself. Yeah, mm-hmm. I,
1: I agree with that. All right, and that concludes this week's segment of Is Viggo Mortensen Actually a
0: Ranger? <laughs> <laughs> Strider. Uh,
1: the yeah, the crash uh, draws attention to them and a bunch of goblins and a troll come running into the the tomb. And there's a great moment of Gimli. You really feel you really feel for Gimli during this section of the movie because he he was going into this like I can't wait to see all my friends and family I haven't heard from in 10 years. <laughs> Let me, like this is so exciting. And then he discovers they're all dead. His cousin is dead, and he stands up on the tomb and says, I don't have the exact line, but something to the effect of there's one dwarf left still standing to fight.
0: Still drawing breath, I think. Yeah. Yeah, he's great in this scene. And then I have to give kudos to Sean Beam, who has maybe the best delivery in the whole film. Uh, Maybe besides, uh, you shall not pass. But he says, when he's like barring the door, he goes, They've got a mountain troll, and the yeah, way he says it's like, troll, yeah. or a cave troll. He's like, C- like, are you kidding, kidding me? Because yeah. clearly, any other actor would have been like, <laughs> they have a they have a cave troll, or like, they have a cave
1: troll. It's scared, oh, yeah. Brace yourself. But he's like, they have a cave
0: troll, and it's such a it's such a great line reading <laughs> that I like. I gave a little fist cheer where I was like, <laughs> yes, nailed it.
1: So, uh, yeah, all these goblins and, and whatever comes st- come running into this room and so commences. I think this is like our first big action sequence Um, or I guess there was the the ring race earlier, but this is like a big action sequence. You see everyone in their element Legolas shooting arrows everywhere. And <laughs> and then there's a there's a moment where Sam smacks a goblin in the head with a frying pan. And this is hilarious because I made a joke while reading, having, rem- I don't, I didn't remember anything. Oh, Adil, for your context. um, I saw these, I saw Fellowship of the Ring and Just Fellowship of the Ring for one time four years ago. Okay. And I remembered nothing from it.
0: <laughs> Was it a casual watch or did someone introduce it to you? I had you to or? watch
1: it for a film class. Okay. At the time. And um, I actually. Oh, so
0: you were, in- I'm so sorry. Um, you were in college four years ago?
1: Yes. Yeah me young. too. So we're all
0: yeah, we're all young. Yep, everyone here is young. We can move on. No further need to investigate that. Um, don't look it up on the internet. I'm I'm like uh, I'm like 24 or whatever. Eight, yeah, we were 20, both in college. Yeah. 28. yeah. Yep. Um mm-hmm.
1: listeners, you might be interested to know Adel and I actually were in the same graduating class. So, exactly. And yeah.
0: and um, it, Obviously, Mary Clay, you could describe my room, but I'll describe my room. Uh, there's a BTS poster on the wall, and then <laughs> I have scattered around the floor several TikToks. What else? Um, uh, fun foods that kids eat, all kinds of fun, like go and stuff, I guess. That's like and Capri <laughs> Go-Gurt. Suns. go and Capri Suns is exclusively what I eat because I'm so young. And and now we'll go back to the podcast.
1: During that first viewing, I also was live tweeting it. Um, so I'll read out a tweet that I had that I said at the time, and this was two hours in. The hobbits still seem kind of useless. Gandalf is slightly more useful now, and I still don't know what the ring does.
0: <laughs> that is, can I just say that is a great point in terms of this ring. Is supposed to be the most powerful thing in the world. It's supposed to unite all the other rings. We'll get to it, but several people are either offered or try and take the ring because of its great power. The only thing it does, to my knowledge, is turn you invisible. Mm-hmm. That's all it does. And mm-hmm. when you're invisible, I think the eye can see you, so yeah. you never, you never want to be invisible because that's awful because then you're going to be found and killed
1: you're in like the i've been calling the it upside the down, upside down. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly
0: yeah um but yeah it, it, i am curious like what other powers does it possess maybe the book's saying i just forgot but it no does seem... i
1: don't i don't i can't no. tell you i can't tell you because i yeah zero idea
0: i'll also say and i also thought about this maybe the last two times i saw the movie i thought about this but gandalf is a wizard but during all these battles all he's doing is hitting guys with his cane. Yeah. And I'm like, earlier when he fights with Saruman, he's like using his powers to like lift him in the air and throw him around. And they're like using spells on each <laughs> other. But with these with these creatures where they're in deep trouble, he's just like bonking them on the head.
1: Yeah. Like a grandpa. Yeah. he He doesn't really use his you don't really see him use a lot of magic and that was yeah, what I was confused about at the time because I also you know when I watched it that first time I hadn't read the books and honestly in the books he doesn't really you don't like see him use his magic a lot anyway yeah I was saying that yeah Sam uses a frying pan in the battle and it's funny because when I was reading the books I said Sam and Rapunzel are no different (laughs) He at the time he had to it was when they're about to climb up Mount Doom and he had to leave behind all of his cookware and this was like a very intense decision for him and he was very heartbroken by it and i was like he's exactly like rapunzel he probably would use his frying pan as a weapon and then that happened in this scene and i was like oh my god <laughs> he, did he also it. says
0: i think i'm getting a hang of this which yeah. is like which is such a like action movie line like it's so funny
1: and then frodo is playing hide and seek with the troll and then gets stabbed or so it would seem.
0: Can we have you mentioned that the orcs in this movie are a are a one to one to stormtroopers in Star Wars?
1: So I have never seen Star Wars.
0: Oh, okay. They're basically like, we come in huge numbers, we can't hit anyone. We're basically here so you can like get practice. And then behind us is something bigger that's going to be a little bit more of a task.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they spend a while on this troll. Like, everyone mm-hmm. is taking a turn attacking him, and it's not working. Aragorn comes in like a bamp, like the bamp he is, <laughs> and... I can't remember who deals the final blow, but they, they take him out eventually and they're like, Oh no, rip Frodo. <laughs> He's dead. <laughs> and they go and roll him over. He's alive because he was wearing the, um, mithril chain mail that Bilbo gave to him before they set out on this journey. And in the, books uh Bilbo is like I would hide this fact because Mm -hmm. you're gonna be with Gimli and no I haven't read The Hobbit yet so I don't know if this was something that Bilbo was gifted or if he stole it given what he did with the ring Mm -hmm. I would guess he stole it or like was supposed to give it back so he thinks that it's something that would make Gimli mad so
0: yeah I can't remember I feel like because it fit him maybe he was gifted it like it was fitted for him but maybe in the books it's like it's meant for a dwarf and he's still it. I can't remember. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so I think the, the impression was that like Gimli's not going to be happy that, you know, cause the dwarves are very, you know, possessive and like territorial um, against I guess I would say like against anyone who isn't the dwarves it's a it's a bit of a funnier reaction in the book when you have that context but in the movie it happens too and Gimli Gimli says like you are full of surprises Master Frodo or Baggins or whatever he says and it's like oh great he's chill all right we're all that's good, good we're all good it
0: yeah. would be funny if Right after they found out he's not dead, he tried to, like, yank it off his body. (laughs) Give it to me. And my axe and my mithril and my uh, what else? What else is mine? This is my cop and this is my tomb.
1: And then uh, Gandalf says, to the bridge of Kaza Doom. So begins another use of the the same, the main musical theme that they use 20,000 times over and over again. Anytime there is a remotely triumphant moment.
0: (laughs) I gotta say... I will never get sick of that. This music, the score oh, it slaps. to this, it slaps the score sure. it's it, Yes, that's a term I also use. Slaps in it. It's a. It's a banger. What else? Um, I'll, I'll. be honest it's a bop. with you. It, it absolutely bops. I'll be
1: honest with you. I barely have a grasp on you know a basic understanding of what the youths of today say. Oh,
0: few so. oh, things. Yeah. <laughs> thank God. Thank you. Thank you for that release. Um, yeah, I this score I think is absolutely one of the best in, in movie history. So I, I will never get tired of the of any of the scores, any of the moments, mm-hmm. um, the little lills. I didn't realize they they named the bridge in this. He says the name of the bridge because mm-hmm. that bridge yeah. is not impressive.
1: They worked this into the movies. Um, yeah actors saying the names of some of the chapter titles from the books gotcha. mm-hmm. okay
0: because that <clears throat> the bridge is wonderfully unimpressive there's not even guardrails on it it's,
1: just, <laughs> it's just a piece of rock <laughs> and
0: um, i guess the doom part is is maybe fortuitous um, yeah
1: that was something i never really thought about when reading it because it's spelled out d-u-m and there's like mm-hmm. a little accent thing over the u so i never really thought about like oh it literally said like it's doom d-o-o-m, it spells out Gandalf's yeah. doom. Yeah, <laughs> foreshadowing, shall we say. Also, just speaking of the score, another really interesting fact I found out. So Howard Shore, who was the composer, wanted uh, he wanted there to be chanting in the background for these scenes in Moria. So he used a Maori choir. And for those that don't know, Maori are the native indigenous people of New Zealand. And, you know, obviously they were filming in New Zealand. So I just think that's really cool that he brought in... Um, you know kind of like a a way to pay homage to to new that's wonderful
0: that's Mm -hmm. outstanding i had no idea
1: so this is a moment where again the the i will point to the scene and be like this is why this movie is three hours long because there is a long sequence of they're like running downstairs and part of it falls away and they have to get everyone over this gap and first legolas just does a little leap because he's an elf it's kind of funny because he kind of, he doesn't hesitate. He's like, okay, whatever. And then turns around and he's like, oh, you guys are all not elves. And they should have just, they, they spend a while of, of getting everyone from one side to the other. I think Gandalf jumps on his own. And then I think Boromir picks up Merry and Pippin and jumps. And then it starts crumbling away even more. At one point, oh, they go to throw Gimli.
0: Nobody tosses <laughs> a dwarf, which is something he said in prison, I'm sure.
1: It's so... That's, like, such a weird... I mean, it makes sense for his character and and for the character, the general character of the dwarves. But, like, it's a random thing to say, I think. I will
0: say it pays off big time later on.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, uh, fun fact, they actually filmed that part of Two Towers first. Before mm. this. So he he says no one tosses a dwarf after he was technically oh, tossed. Oh, interesting. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> technically tossed. <laughs> um,
1: it's a very long sequence. And then, like, more of the thing crumbles away. And then it's just Aragorn and Frodo. And they spend a while of, like, the thing is falling. And then it falls towards the rest of the stairs. And they get over just fine. I love...
0: It's, like... It's got to be, like, 80,000 pounds of stone... And it's falling backwards, and then Vigo's like, "Lean Lean forward," forward. (laughs) and Frodo arches his shoulders forward, and suddenly the entire piece goes. Yeah, who?
1: Let's see. Yeah, the hobbits are like between three and four feet. Like he doesn't weigh that. They (laughs) regularly carry the hobbits like babies. Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) whatever. Um, We'll chalk it up to
0: movie magic. Yeah,
1: exactly. So then they get to the Bridge of Casa Doom. And it's like, all right, we're going to make it. Just kidding. Balrog. (laughs) (laughs) And this is... The Balrog does not, at least for me, does not hold up in the year of our Satan twenty twenty.
0: I think it holds up. I still think it looks cool. Like it's <sighs> it's like hunched over a little bit. And it kind of steps back and unfolds itself. It seems to have maybe wings, right? It has fire in its mouth. Like I think it's I think it looks impressive and cool. I think a lot of the technology they use for these movies are kind of what Kool-Aid Man broke through the wall for future uh, productions yeah. and C J mm-hmm. so I think it was truly a groundbreaking film and groundbreaking effects. Um, but I think this I could see where some of them don't hold up but I feel like this one is solid for me
1: yeah I definitely agree with you that a lot of the effects and the things that they did at the time were very you know foundational in terms of because they did do they did do a lot of like breakthrough work in terms of um, like computer programming and and things like that as they were you know making especially the fight scenes so it is a lot of stuff that they did that would set the stage for a lot of fantasy movies to come and build on and improve upon but to me it really felt like it was a 3D effect on an amusement park ride. okay all right <laughs> and I'll i'm see you. sorry i'm so sorry to say that to people who you know love these movies but that's just it, it didn't hold up for me well and I, I i warned you that i wouldn't be kind to moria and this is it and Fair what's enough. what's funny though is that when you read the like trivia and fun facts for this it's like during the balrog scene ian mckellen was actually acting against a green screen and a tennis ball on a, a green <laughs> and i'm like yeah no shire yeah. like he wasn't (laughs)
0: I, I, I will say I do appreciate like I can't imagine what a task this was for Peter Jackson in that whole I think it's like wet w yeah um, I think or, it's
1: weta weta workshop
0: weta. that whole production company like what a task oh, yeah. to do these three movies but I will say I re- I very much respect and you'll maybe see this later or understand but in the Star Wars movie uh George what's I want to say George Scott Lucas uh, George Lucas why is George <laughs> Scott in my head George Lucas made the films in the 70s or whatever 70s early 80s and then in the two thousands he went back and he like redid the CGI and stuff to make everything look more updated and more modern and use the current technology. And I hate that. Like watching that watching the originals and then watching the new ones, I think it looks awful. And I it does look like better technology. But I think the charm and the heart mm-hmm. of of the movie is that a lot of it was like practical effects where there might be CGI or kind of uh, uh, junky CGI where there's now better. But but that's part of the charm of the movie. So I do respect that Peter Jackson has not, to my knowledge, gone back in and redone everything because I think that would kill some of the joy. Yeah,
1: I don't know if you have heard about this, but they announced recently that they're releasing Lord of the Rings in 4K ooh <laughs> in december oh, wow. and i don't i really truthfully do not want to spend more money on these fi- buying these films
0: sure yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> and uh i also at this point in time i don't want to have to rewatch another version of lord of the rings <laughs> addle for your context i have yeah. watched at least some part of fellowship of the ring just this past week three times and then before that last week it was probably two times so i'm wow. slowly losing my mind <laughs> <laughs> But I'm hoping I'll, maybe I'll hear from other people or, or reviews of it or something to see if yeah. they redo, you know, any of those effects or something. I don't think Lord of the Rings needs to be remade for 4K.
0: Yeah, So yeah, that's fair.
1: But for people who are, you know, huge Lord of the Rings fans, it's obviously very exciting. So yeah. I get that. Yeah. So Ian McKellen was acting against a green screen. Who would have thought? <laughs> um, and then he's, gonna, he's fighting the Balrog. He has a, a whip that just made me think of Krampus because Krampus... Also, I think has like a fire whip of some kind or something, <laughs> and you think he's gonna get away, and then wh- whips his his leg and pulls him down and Gandalf is dangling over the edge, and he says, "Fly, you fools!" and then falls.
0: And I just want to say the one thing I do agree with is if they go back in and the minute we see the Balrog's whip snake forward and grab onto Gandalf, if they start playing Devo's Whip It, <laughs> I would, I am on board for that. So I just want to say. Yeah, Peter Jackson, that, if you're listening mm-hmm. and I know you are, um, <laughs> please, please make that change. And then your movie's perfect.
1: Yeah, perfect. Exactly. Oh, also, <laughs> I didn't even mention the iconic. You shall not pass. Mm-hmm. Very good.
0: I would say if, of the entire trilogy, that's what people quote the most. Like yeah, that's the number a one quote. Moment. I'd say that's one of the biggest quotes of, of movie history. But I don't think and you would know better than than I do for sure. I don't think that's what they say in the books, right? Yeah.
1: So in the books, he said, he originally says, you cannot pass. He says it, he he says it like a couple more times. And then he goes into, he has a little bit more of a speech and a couple more lines in there. And then I think his very last line is, you shall not pass. So he does eventually say it, but he, it wasn't what I was imagining from what I had remembered from the movie or or heard about. But yeah, Yeah. it's, it's a really, it's a great moment. It's a great moment. And like, you feel the, the like fury and, and power of Gandalf in that moment
0: there's something I really appreciate that they do that I don't know if it was in the books but they it, I think it's very effective in the movies is as Gandalf is like everybody run like I'm gonna take on this thing everyone's concerned and it, it it's such a trope in movies of like no I'm not gonna leave you behind we all fight and it's like no please leave please go yeah and I love that Gandalf says like go and Aragorn is like no like he's hesitating or he's trying to help and then Gandalf says the line it's something like swords have no use here like we're at the point where swords have no use in this yeah. battle. So basically, saying like you can There's no way you can help. There's
1: nothing you can do. Yeah. And after yeah. he says that, then
0: help. Aragorn scuttles off. So I really appreciate that he like put it into it where he's like, "Let me try and communicate to your dumb ranger brain. <laughs> you can't beat this thing up. So please, please leave. Because you're yeah. only you're only hurting me if you stick around.
1: Exactly. And then, um, commences a very sad couple of minutes. I like didn't feel this much, you know, emotion when I was reading it in the book. They do a fantastic job of showing all of their reactions to this. Boromir has to pick up Frodo and pull him away, which side note, you can tell in that moment that he was carrying a body double, and that they CGI'd Elijah Wood's face <laughs> onto the body double. Because <laughs> there's a couple where like you can see his like face kind of moving a bit unnaturally compared to the rest of his body, but it's fine, whatever. And then outside, everyone has it's it's really heartbreaking. Uh, Mary is comforting Pippin. Legolas just is sta- he's standing there shocked. Aragorn wants them to move on, and Boromir's like, "Give them a moment, you robot." and Aragorn pump, immediately pump brakes, like yeah. yeah Aragorn immediately goes into he goes into ranger mode and immediately is like we have to get out of here because it's not safe and what's what's funny about that though is that this when they were filming it none of the cast had met Ian McKellen yet oh wow yeah so I think that's that's really impressive for for them too because that must have been early in the filming then for them to pull up these emotions and reactions
0: it would be funny if like just to kind of help the actors out they let everyone meet Ian McKellen except for Vigo <laughs> and so he's like, so when Viggo's like, all right, everyone, let's move. And they're like, what are you doing? He's like, what? <laughs> I don't know the guy. What do you want from me?
1: Yeah, I can't remember what I was going to say. It's fine. I'm um, losing my mind. So <laughs> also, we pan, we, pa- we do a close up of, of Frodo's face, and we get a single little Elijah Wood tear. Going down his face. Aragorn's like, We're going to go to Lothlorien. The elves will protect us. Aragorn looks way too happy in this moment when they're like running to. He's like, All right. traveling rangering
0: <laughs> the woods my elements hooray yeah.
1: yeah he's in his element and everyone else is like good god the elves sneak up on everyone in another great comedic moment Gimli is like don't worry hobbits I'll protect you uh I have the eyes of a hawk and the ears of a of a fox I think it's what he <laughs> says and then he turns around and they're surrounded by elves pointing uh arrows at them <laughs> so they get to Lothlorien and this is way different from how I picked it in the books I imagined it to be like a lot more natural looking since it's in the woods kind of have much more of like a treehouse village vibe I guess and I imagined it to be like a lot more golden and to use a lot of like because they're also there in I think it's October when they're there so it's autumn so I imagine there to be a lot of like reds and oranges and like warmth about it yeah but it's uh it's it it's almost like, looks like
0: the interior of a cave, like um, if you've ever been into like a cave at night or something. Mm-hmm. All the luminance, where it's like there's like yeah. a shimmering, like glowworms or night crawlers or any of that luminance. Mm-hmm. That's what it looks like. Is more more like they're playing with pearl and ivory, like those those types yeah. of shades versus forest. Yeah,
1: they're using a lot more silver and kind of darker toned stuff to do this scene. Oh, that's what it reminds me of. It reminds me of the the like. The, i don't remember what it's called the fish city and i don't know if you've ever played breath of the wild but oh it, yeah it reminds me of yeah yeah it called Lo- no not Lorien, that's what this is called with something tall, with an l yeah Lanayru, i think is what it is yeah, yeah. um it reminds me of that so. and
0: the king is like <laughs> 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 and then um, great game the great prince game. there yeah. is just he's like a plus yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> love him <laughs> And then enters Galadriel, and she does like mind tricks on everyone. In the books, you find, and they actually they do. I think they do a good job of the gang kind of talking about it afterwards. She does like mind reading, mind conversations with each mm-hmm. of these people.
0: She's in your head, <laughs> in your head, and-, and this might be Cate Blanchett's big breakout, right? This movie? I don't
1: know if that was... I don't know. Um, in the, I feel like
0: this is what put her on the map. And she looks like an elf. Like, her facial features... Oh, yeah. Her high cheekbones and her eyes, like, she looks like she's otherworldly, so...
1: Yeah, her skin is, like porcelain almost that being said I did not I got very different vibes from Galadriel in the movies than from the books because she seems a lot more chill I guess in the books and kind of Mm -hmm. more like calm and collected and but you still feel this like great sense of like power around her but in the movies, she's like really creepy
0: she's yes in in the books she's more warm and comforting and like a little mysterious but also like I think everyone likes her, but it feels like in this she's super intense and it's almost yeah, like I, I think it's almost it. like when um who is it Richard Harris uh, as Dumbledore died and then Michael Gambone took over yeah and Michael Gambone as Gandalf like grabs Harry and is like what did you do and it's what like, did, it's like Dumbledore would never do like Dumbledore <laughs> yeah. would never assault Harry like what are you doing yeah buddy? that's a
1: really good um, um, comparison there bringing up another tweet that I tweeted four years ago <laughs> during my watch through I said okay is it just me or is Galadriel shady AF <laughs> Because she is again, they do a lot of foreshadowing here with the way that they direct the camera because she talks about Galadriel says, if you fail, it will like bring the ruin of all and then cut to Boromir as she says that and then she says like or we shall like have renewed hope and then it cuts to sam yeah who is you know like the representation basically of hope throughout yeah. all of
0: this he's the engine that kind of keeps things going whereas Bormir moments later it's going to tear things apart
1: ruins everything because he's dumber than a bag of bricks um and uh yeah just another moment of like they're being very intentional with how like they are heavily foreshadowing this to the point where so in the in the next scene Galadriel wakes up Frodo and brings him to the the mirror of Galadriel which is watching the scene I was like this must have been so weird for people to watch without having any of the context from the book (laughs) oh yeah like a lot happens and it's very weird and random. And I don't know. I don't know if you remember at the time, like what you were thinking for this scene.
0: The first time I saw it, or maybe the second time I saw it, I remember seeing like this beautiful white lace. It's almost like a wedding gown. It's It's beautiful. But then they show a close-up of her feet to show, like, how beautiful she steps. And you see the back train of the dress is covered in mud. And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) oh So I think that's, like, what I focus on. That's what you were focusing on, yeah. yeah.
1: (laughs) So she invites Frodo to look into the mirror of Galadriel. And she's, like, super vague about it. She's like, it shows things that were, things that are, and things that may or may not come to be. (laughs) So it shows everything. Frodo looks into it and sees, this is what Peter Jackson says pays homage to a chapter in the book at the end of Return of the King called Scouring of the Shire, where the hobbits come back from the journey and adventure and they find that, Saruman has coerced a bunch of, um, they call them ruffians. They're like not really orcs. I guess they're like normal people who are just at Saruman's bidding and they take over the Shire. It's also Tolkien's like very heavy commentary on like post-World War I industrialization versus nature, which is a huge theme of the movies too. They start like a hobbit uprising and Saruman gets his throat cut. <laughs> I (laughs) have I haven't seen extended edition Return of the King yet, but they like what they do with his story in theatrical edition world is very interesting because they're like, yep, he's up in his tower, and that's the last you hear about Saruman. Anyway, so they didn't do any of that, which I will talk about heavily, much more heavily, when we get to that section in Return of the King. But Peter Jackson says that as Frodo looks into the mirror and he sees this image of, you know, Hobbiton in ruin and the Hobbits enslaved and Sauron taking over. He says that was their way of like doing a little Easter egg, a little nod to the books.
0: Yeah, it's it's cool to s- having read the books. It's cool to see that and be like, oh yeah, like that does happen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I forget. It's a totally yeah. different ending than what they do in the movie. <laughs> and then again, another effect that it seems to- I don't know if at the time 3D movies were a thing, but there were a lot of moments where I was like, it seems like they made this moment to be like a 3D effect where you have the glasses on and it feels like when Sauron, when the Eye of Sauron comes up, it feels like that's supposed to be a 3D effect.
0: Um, I don't, I mean, to my knowledge, 3D movies have been around since like the 60s, but I feel like it was always like cheesy movies or like horror, but I I don't think... I feel like not until Pixar did it become like a mainstream thing mm-hmm, of like yeah. you can watch it in 3D or normal, and it's for kids to be like 3D, please, or a yeah. fun adults. Like I don't want to. <laughs> <I>, I've <laughs> I've seen several Pixar movies in 3D, and it's great. So I I don't want to uh, brush it off as too late.
1: Fun. You've just alienated. <laughs> oh no! Half but of my I'm audience. so young.
0: <laughs> um, when I have kids in 40 years, because I'm so tiny. Um, but yeah, I think some of the effects do. I could t- definitely understand that. But I do I do think this is effective in terms of like. The, neg- the reverse negative or whatever that is, that they cast Gladriel with that light and her eyes are oh dark. Oh,
1: my gosh. Like, that okay. is a
0: cool... Is that what you're talking about in terms of the 3D effect? So,
1: okay, that's another moment that I... Oh, my... It totally took me out of the movie. It was so... Because Frodo offers the ring to Gladriel and is like, please, for the love of God, take it. I don't want this. She goes into evil Gladriel mode, which shows what she would be like if she had the ring. I don't know if you've ever seen the Disney Channel original movie Halloween Town. No, <laughs> but there's a, a particular effect that they do with the villain in that movie at the end, and it looks exactly the same as what they do with Galadriel, <laughs> and it's it's not good. It just seems very so. Like that's funny like to Hokey. me. For, I think it's for effective. you to have like a, a positive yeah. reaction to. I that. think it's
0: effective. I think it's cool because you need something versus like her giving a monologue of like instead of a king you would have a queen. Terrible. Yeah, it is and very yet, jarring. Fair, uh-huh. but but so I think you need you need like this light switch flip for her to be like, let me show you what it would be like. Not just speak it, but let me you know show don't tell, and then she comes out of it. My favorite part is when she comes out of it. She kind of chuckles to her, She chuckles to herself and goes, huh. I passed the I pass test. the
1: test. <laughs> and then
0: she gives what's one of my favorite lines. And it's something I always tell myself I'm going to say in life all the time, which is she goes, I will diminish and go to the West. And I yeah. feel like, I f- and it comes out of nowhere. Like no one asked you to diminish. It's so
1: random. It's like, just because
0: you don't take the ring, you don't have, please don't feel like you have to diminish. Take up space. Yeah. But I feel like in life more often, like if I come home and my fiance is like, hey, did you grab the milk? I want to go, ah, oh, I forgot it. I will diminish and, and diminish go, and the go to the West. Like, I just want that to be a common phrase in life. <laughs>
1: Oh uh, yeah. Another line that she says that is very <laughs> relevant as of today, she says, even the smallest person can change the course of history. And I would like to use this opportunity. I believe this is the last episode that will come out before election day. Please go vote. Listeners, you know that I hate the Cheeto man with every you know, fiber of my bone.
0: Chester please Chester <laughs> yeah, the Cheeto. Chester
1: Cheeto. Kim. <laughs> please vote this year please in particular vote for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. It really is important. This is also not the year to use your protest vote to do third party because unfortunately we need every bit to to fight against this fascist dictator. And yes.
0: I 100% agree. Please vote. Please vote. Please vote. Mm-hmm. And please, if you live in an area where you're like, hey, I live in a blue area. It doesn't, it, my vote doesn't matter. or It doesn't, you know, we'll win anyway. Please still. It matters. Don't yeah. have that mindset. Please vote.
1: So, yeah. So even the smallest person can change the course of history. I can't tell you what it was like watching, refreshing the news feeds and everything four years ago on election night and seeing like there were states that went red because of a matter of 100 votes or so or people who voted third party. And if they had just voted for Clinton, then it wouldn't have gone red. So your your vote truthfully matters so much. Don't, don't be satiated by news polls or, or people saying that like, oh, well, no, Biden's going to win by a landslide. That's not going to happen. Um, I mean, it could happen. Let's hope it happens. But that's what happened four years ago is people were very, got very comfortable with the news being like, oh, no way Trump's going to win. And then here we are. So that being said, go vote. Vote, please. <laughs> Let's see what happens. Yeah, she is like... Sorry Frodo, you have to do this. We cut back to Saruman, which at this point in the movie I was so annoyed with every additional time they cut back to Saruman in his plotline because you don't see this part in the books. It just moves on with the story and you don't see him until Two Towers. And I'm just like, "Okay, I get it. He's building up an army. He's coming after them." And this is where the terrible editing, editing and camera work comes in as he's building the Uruk Rook, hi. I can never say that when I was reading it and I can't say it as I'm watching it. Rook, hi.
0: It sounds like somebody with an accent saying like hi to their friend Eric, like "Rook, <laughs> hi. <laughs> this is a weird, I have to admit, as someone who absolutely adores the movies, loves them, I have to admit this is a weird scene because it's almost like Southern Baptist Revival. Christopher Lee says, "Like, do you know how the orcs came to be? They were tortured elves." And it's like a good chunk of knowledge to have. Of like, oh, that's good to know if you didn't know that already. But then it's like they're dipping their hands in paint and like putting yeah. their the, their their palm prints on each other's faces. There's one guy on his knees getting his face palmed white by another guy, and he has his hands shaking in the air. And it turns into like Southern Baptist revival. Like, like you are healed. Get up. Uh, you are you are cured. <laughs> and it's just such a weird moment of like. Like, we don't need that. Like- yeah, we
1: don't need that. Yeah, they have this makeup on their face, which is what I would do in high school when I went to football games, is I would <laughs> I would paint my hand in, you know, the colors for my school and just face palm yeah. <laughs> myself and then school go pride. in and fix it. So the orcs are essentially Teenage girls going to a football game.
0: They're teenage girls getting ready for the big game. (laughs) Yeah. Right?
1: So, this is the absolutely terrible editing. It's a like weird use of slow motion, but the, yeah, this is where like I wish I had some kind of film. You know, cinematography knowledge where I could be like, this is the term to use. But they like go to move, but their like face lingers as they move. Like you can see as their body is moving in the slow motion and they're all just like screaming and it's not good. And they continue to do it for the rest of, you know, the next 30 minutes.
0: It's almost like what someone looks like when they're in a strobe light, where it's like, There's a bit of a lingering effect. Yeah, it really... That's the one thing that stands out to me. It's like, really sucks.
1: It almost cuts as fast as a strobe light because it's Mm. it's just like, cut, 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 like just showing all of the orcs doing this. It's not... It's very jarring. It's very jarring.
0: And maybe... I get that they're trying to say like, Saruman made these creatures. They're unnatural. So maybe Mm -hmm. they look or move unnatural. So I get that, but it's also like... We get it. We don't need that effect.
1: Also, I want to take this time to plug. So a previous guest on the podcast, hosts of the podcast Shadow Facts, compiles a bunch of resources that talk about race in Lord of the Rings and in Tolkien's works. In particular, there's one piece that's like really in depth that talks about orcs and how that relates to, to race and everything. And it's really interesting. And it's something that I really wanted to touch on earlier this year, but I did didn't know how because it's such a big subject to go into and I like didn't know where to start and so they compiled a bunch of resources and I will leave that link um, in the description if you want to learn more about that and hopefully in the future I'll even do an episode that looks into this research and and talks a a lot about it Um, so I say that with the foot you know the full knowledge that this is a very white movie every single person in this movie is white except for the actor who plays the main orc who is um, Lawrence Makari Macquarie he is a Maori actor and he is I think one of the only people of color who is cast in this movie and it's also not a coincidence to me that he plays the main urukai leader who gets covered up and you know he's you can't tell that he's a person of color yeah so anyway yeah so the that will be linked in the description if that's something that you want to to read and and learn more about yeah so we go back to the main gang and they are leaving Lorien, which they cut so much. I'm, I'm excited to watch the extended edition to see hopefully a lot more elf content because <laughs> <laughs> the chapters when they're in Lothlorien and they're with the elves are some of my favorite from, Absolutely. from the books.
0: One of my favorite things is the, and, and this goes against what I typically feel in terms of like, again, like I mentioned, uh, Game of Thrones and how much they linger on food and descriptions of meals. But in, in the books, I love when they talk about that bread they make, like the- um, yeah, when they're talking about that and they give him a package of that and stuff, I I love that. It was it was such a cool thing of like, oh, this this makes you feel full for like a day or maybe longer I can't remember it's such a wonderful idea and such a wonderful kind of entity in the world that I wish they would have talked about or shown a little bit more yeah I think later in the movies they show somebody nibbling on some but it's
1: yeah it's a big like it's a random like plot point (laughs) where Gollum takes the lame the little bit of lame boss that they have left in Mordor and he like throws it away and then he blames Sam on it and then Frodo which again is it's something that doesn't happen at all in the books and I'm like okay interesting choice that you made to an already three hour plus movie um (laughs) but whatever we'll get there in two months I think at this point the way I have episodes planned out (laughs) like I said going insane yeah they get in the books they're gifted a lot of things uh Frodo is given which you see a little bit of a scene he is given the light of Galadriel I think and in a very con- it's it becomes the deus ex machina of parts of Return of the King when Sam and Frodo are in <laughs> are in Mordor it truthfully comes in handy like 20,000 times over.
0: It looks like when she slips him that bottle that's like their brightest star the light when there is yeah, that's uh, there's is, only yeah. darkness Uh, It looks like a perfume bottle.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it really
0: does. (laughs) It really does.
1: I was imagining more like it's just like a little vial.
0: Amulet or so. Yeah, I thought it was like an amulet or something. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a perfume bottle.
1: Mm -hmm. Mary Clay from the future here to clarify that what I'm about to talk about in the podcast is what happened in the book, not the movie. And it sounded confusing to me as I was editing it. And so here you are. All right, bye. And then I think like everyone else is also given gifts. Sam is given a jar of elf dirt
0: (laughs) I think that's I think that's like a joke amongst elves where like we gave you Elfter, like, this is a great honor. And then he leaves and they're all like, look at that idiot. No, like-
1: it actually it actually does come in handy because he uses it to um, replenish the nature of the Shire once they get back home. So it does come in handy later. And then Gimli, they, they ask the other people like what they want. And I don't remember what everyone else gets, but Gimli asks for a lock of Galadriel's hair.
0: Yikes. <laughs> I don't remember that. Stalker uh, much? Because he,
1: he falls in love with her when they and get together.
0: And my Lorian. axe and your hair. Hair, yeah. When they get together, oh boy.
1: <laughs> and that they're also all given these cloaks that you can see them wearing um after they leave Lorian because they all have these cloaks on that have these leaf brooches around That's their necks. That's right, yeah, yeah. And it's not explained. Maybe it is an extended edition. We'll find out next week. They are like camouflage. They're like elf magic fabric, basically. And they use them to camouflage, basically, themselves wherever they are. And this is something that, like, isn't touched on at all. I I can't remember if it's Two Towers of Return of the King, but there's a moment where Frodo, Sam, uses his cloak to hide Frodo, and they just, like, turn into a rock. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Just like inexplicably, they're just hidden. So that must just be something super confusing for people who are like, what the f are up with these cloaks? Um, So they go down this river, which is, again, beautiful, sweeping scenery of New Zealand. Peter Jackson is very lucky to have that country (laughs) to film in. Oh, actually, there's this moment where they're entering Gondor and they see the... What is it called?
0: Those giant statues? The
1: Argonath is what they're called. This is
0: one of my favorite moments because they're on a river that goes through... That goes past these two statues. The statues have to be at least four million feet high...
1: Oh yeah, they're really tall.
0: And and uh, Aragorn has to tap Frodo on the shoulder to say, "Yeah, hey, look at these." It's like I was.
1: It also I, wasn't like he was asleep or he yeah. was looking down at something. He was already looking forward.
0: If I was in the passenger seat of a car <laughs> and we were driving past like a hundred dinosaurs, you wouldn't have to tap me on the shoulder, my man. I saw this on my own, and I'm yeah. freaking out.
1: I I thought the exact same thing. I was like, that's that's weird, but oh okay, whatever. But it's so that Aragorn it's a it's a great character moment for Aragorn and these moments that like I appreciate a lot more as I'm watching these, like knowing what happens and knowing a lot more about Aragorn's character. He he's like, These are my kin. I have longed to see this for years and years. And it's a really nice moment for him because he he's like returning to his land that he hasn't been in for so long. He's returning to eventually, you know, become king again. And there's a lot, you know, there's a long way to go before he gets. There, but it's like a nice moment for his character to see, like this is how far he has come. Yeah. So they pull over and stop, and they talk about what to do next and where they're going to go. And then (laughs) Mary is like, "Hey, where's Frodo?" (laughs) And I was like, "Seriously, you guys had one job, and it was to (laughs) keep watch to watch the main character, Frodo, and you lost him? Are you kidding me?"
0: They also kind of rest or set up camp for just a moment there in an area where Aragons, he just mentioned like I haven't he's never been there or he hasn't been there for a long time and he's like oh yeah orcs patrol this shore and it's like go to a different shore Mama-. like <laughs> I don't understand why you took oh, yeah. us straight to where the orcs patrol
1: oh yeah and then in this moment also Legolas is being very ominous he's like I can't explain it but something doesn't sit right He's like something is coming. <laughs> he
0: says, "He says what's basically like the greatest emo lyrics of all time." He's like, "There's a shadow growing in my mind," and it's that's like, it, "Yeah, that's a Death Cab for Cutie song." Like, <laughs>
1: <laughs> and this was the moment where I was finally able to like place a finger on what the elves feel like to me. I love the elves; they're like some of my favorite parts from the book. They feel like they are actually aliens who like came to middle earth and they're trying to like blend in and assimilate and they're trying to learn about the culture of middle earth but they have no idea how to be normal
0: that's great yeah i always it it seems to me like well especially in the movies they're all like scandinavian models who are just like emotionless and like these (laughs) It it seems like a bunch of models who lost their job and they're like, I'm used to everyone just doing whatever I say. Like, now I have to learn to (laughs) communicate. Is that what you called it?
1: (laughs) Yeah. They're also all hot and (laughs) beautiful. Mm -hmm, Like, mm -hmm. that's not fair. (laughs) Yeah, so then we cut to Frodo who's just like wandering in the woods by himself and Boromir shows up and he's trying to act like real casual just being like, I mean, just a thought. <laughs> Maybe we could use the ring. <laughs> Did you see the
0: you see the big game the other day? What else? Oh, can I get that ring? Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> and he says like, it's so strange that we should suffer over something so small. So he real casually attacks Frodo. Frodo puts the ring on disappears and Boromir is like you're bringing ruin to us all you will take the ring to Sauron you're evil you want it for yourself and then he trips and falls and like hits his head and I laughed he he <laughs> sl-
0: he slips on like one leaf and he makes a meal out of that ch- it's like yeah it's like watching LeBron James take a charge or like <laughs> he flops so hard where it's like what is, like, what did he trip on? This guy's like a soldier. He's like one of the best fighters in the in this story. And he slips on a leaf and, and has like three tumbles. Like, it's insane.
1: This was a scene that they did a really good job of translating it from book to movie because I felt just as, like, frustrated and annoyed and angry as I did reading the book.
0: I agree. I think he's kind of lame. But I will say, to his credit... I believe the ring and they don't I don't know how much they talk about this in the movie. They hint at it. But I think in the books, it's like expressly stated. It's basically like horcruxes.
1: Oh, yeah. Where the
0: more you're around something, it like drains you and turns your brain and stuff. So I think I, I think it's not his fault that he was like suddenly like, give me that ring. I don't think I don't think it was true to his nature for the most part. I think it was like the ring having an effect on him.
1: He was he was very easily overcome by the power of the ring.
0: Yeah. So out of everyone who's in the fellowship, he had like the weakest constitution. Yeah. Because he breaks he breaks first for sure.
1: Yeah. So Boromir has a moment where he's like, "Oh, Shire, that was bad." He's like, "Frodo, come on. What back. did I do? <laughs> um. And then Frodo, yeah. So he's put on the ring and he's running away. He's in the upside down.
0: Do you like the effects when he's in? the upside down
1: it's not great but yeah. i'm okay with it because I it looks cool it's very i think it's meant to be kind of like abstract anyway yeah um and it's very you know ghostly and yeah. i think it and looks- creepy I think it's- so it's effective yeah yeah
0: i think it looks cool
1: and then there's one point where like saw the eye of sauron like zooms in on him and talks to him about like just bad things
0: yeah it, it is funny oh i did have a, a moment where i chuckled where Boromir basically has Frodo pinned down when he's trying to get the ring from him, and uh, Frodo slips on the ring. Yeah, and all the ring does all the ring does is make him disappear. It doesn't. Exactly. It doesn't make him not able exactly. to be touched. So Boromir has him pinned down, Frodo puts on the ring, and Boromir suddenly, like, kind of almost half stands up, and he's like, what? What? And it's like, yeah. no, 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 just keep your... <laughs> Not trying to assist him. Like, I'm glad Frodo got away, but it's just, it's just like, what are no, you doing? No, I
1: brought this up when um, they're being attacked by the ring wraiths because Frodo puts the ring on to escape them, but he continues just to sit in the same spot, and I'm like, yeah, yeah they can still stab you because, yeah. you're, you know, you're still a body. Like, you haven't, you know... <laughs>
0: you're still corporeal
1: mm-hmm.
0: i think i believe is it you're still corporeal, corporeal that's what it, are yeah. you doing
1: yeah and then he takes the ring off and aragorn shows up and is like frodo what are you doing and he frodo is i think he does another another moment of he stumbles back and grabs the ring mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm, <laughs> which is most of the movie
1: frodo is obviously freaked out and he's like Aragorn's gonna take, try and take the ring from me. And Aragorn's like, I'm here to protect you. They do the, it's a really cool effect that they do with the ring where, so Frodo presents the ring to Aragorn and is like, would you not take it if you, you know, have the chance or whatever? The ring starts like speaking and there's dark music behind it. But when a- Aragorn, Reaches over and you definitely see it like flash across his face of like, I could take the ring and I could use it. But he closes Frodo's hand and as he closes it and like denies the ring its chance to use its power on him, all of that sound goes away.
0: And can I just say, Mary Clay, as soon as he closes Frodo's hand over the ring and passes the test, um, which is what I want to be clear. He did pass the test. That's a test. He does diminish and go to the West.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There Mm -hmm. we go. Um and Aragorn's like, yeah, you have to do this by yourself, buddy. Sorry. There there is a nice moment where he's very sincere and genuine. It's like I would have followed you into the fires of Mordor.
0: Frodo says much like Lin-Manuel and Hamilton. He goes,
1: "I know, I know. I oh might. I know." <laughs> um I would have
0: followed you into the fires of Mordor. I know. I know. I know. I know. I
1: know. My favorite thing that has come out of Hamilton being put on Disney Plus is people making fun of Lin Manuel Miranda.
0: He he's wonderful. He's not. I mean, uh, the, out of the people they cast, he's the, the his singing is more. What
1: do you mean, out of the people they cast? He cast or he cast? Himself. Casts, yeah. I mean,
0: yeah, <laughs> but he but he's effective. Like he's. I mean, he's brilliant. Um,
1: yeah. I think the reason people make fun of him is because they know that he's also a very, like he's very smart and good and all of the other things he's he's done. So I feel yeah, like yeah. it's out of out of love. They want
0: to knock him down a peg, <laughs> knock him down yeah. a peg somewhere. I do think we should do you and I should write some sort of Lord of the Rings Hamilton parody where it's like Aragorn, <laughs> Boromir, and Frodo, like some sort of I don't know.
1: Aragorn, work, work legolas work work and gimli <laughs> which Fantastic. is yeah the the best trio out of everything mm-hmm. i don't know if you agree with that but those those are my favorite parts of the story
0: <laughs> yeah a hundred percent anything with with uh legolas and gimli is I'm all over yeah and oh, it's fantastic. so good
1: it's so good okay and then <laughs> then they fall prey to what I call the walking dead effect, which is where a herd of orcs just like appear out of nowhere and they didn't hear it at all and Aragorn um, is like Frodo go because he sees his sword is lighting up blue and he turns the corner and they're just there it's not like oh they're like approaching from a distance they're already there how did you not hear that you're supposed to be a ranger
0: yeah it's it's and it's literally like a high school class it's like 500 orcs just there on the corner for sure
1: it's so many orcs uh, so during filming for this scene and all the, the fight scenes and everything it was in the middle of a heat wave mm. and uh, apparently, many of the Urukai actors and extras had to be carried off set with heat exhaustion.
0: Woof, that sucks. So
1: yeah, that's that's rough. And props to anyone who's ever, you know an extra or, or, or a background actor in anything. Yeah. So then commences very epic fight sequences with orcs and Aragorn's being a bamp again. Frodo hides from the orcs, and then across the way is Merry and Pippin, and they're like come on, Frodo, hide with us. And he shakes his head no, and is like, no, I can't. This is another moment which supports my my thesis and hypothesis that Merry is the best hobbit because Merry is, he's like, he's not going to stay with us. He's trying to go on his own. He's like smart enough to have that realization in this small moment, but he's also still fun and quirky like Pippin. So again, Merry is the best hobbit.
0: Yeah, and it, it saves, probably it saves Frodo's life and it also helps save the, the annoyance of like, What do you Please leave him alone because I was with a friend. We were walking down the street and there was like two guys and it looked like one of them had like a knife in his hand. And I said to my friend like, hey, let's go in the store real quick because the guys were close enough. They could have heard me. So I go, I want to go into the store real quick. And my friend's like, why? And I'm like, I want to grab something. And they're like, what do you need? Like, we're going to this place. I'm like, I just forgot I wanted something. He goes, what do you want? And I'm like,
1: like, in in the
0: moment, I was like. If I die in, in this moment, if I get stabbed to death because this this wouldn't go into the store, <laughs> I this is the worst thing ever. So I love when someone's like, ah, I see. Let's just, just immediately l- gets yes, it. yes, yeah. yes. Where it's like, let me l- let me go in the store with you, and we'll figure it out later.
1: It is nice that there's no like, no Frodo, don't go. Like we'll come yeah, yeah. with you. Like but like they just get to the point. Which at this point we are three. No, we're we're two and a half hours in. At this Although point, I so. will
0: say, if I'm ever chasing someone and I'm looking for someone specifically. And two other people go, hey, over here. I'm going in the exact opposite direction. I'm going where they are not because I'm like, oh, you're trying to lead me away. But these are orcs. So maybe, uh, who knows?
1: Yeah. Mary and Pippin are like, okay, we're going to distract them so you can go. And yeah, they're like, over here, over here. And I'm like, to me, that would be an immediate sign that Mm -hmm. they are distracting us from something. However, the orcs are not smart. They're not smart creatures, so that I guess that's believable that they would follow them immediately. And Saruman also told them that they are to look for the halflings. He didn't say like, oh, look for Frodo. He said the halflings and kill everyone else, but keep them alive.
0: Immediately, the orcs tried to take an axe to Pippin and Merry. So apparently that orc <laughs> did not get the message. because He didn't tra- get
1: the message. Because it's something that Saruman says to the one leader. He doesn't tell. I'm like, that seems pretty important.
0: It didn't make it all the way down. Uh Because, yeah, that guy raises his axe and is about to behead them when Boromir comes rushing in. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, Boromir comes rushing in. Listeners who have been listening through the books and have listened to to hours of Boromir slander this is the only moment for you to finally be like vindication this is a great scene and sequence for Boromir he is it's just a great scene it's a great fight sequence it's very cool and then the moment that first arrow hits him it's like you you like feel it in your gut you're like oh oh no and then he just keeps getting back up and fighting and then that last arrow that hits him is just like oof oh god no it's it's not good and then the mary and pippin have a great moment where they're like they see that boromir is is down and he's not getting back up essentially and they're just like it (laughs) and then immediately get picked up that's i
0: i can't help but laugh every time i see that where they are like we are also fighters and they pick up their tiny swords and they're like this is for Boromir. And immediately, like within a millisecond, it's just like, yoink. Uh,
1: there are a lot of moments where the hobbits do that, where they, you know, these moments where they just selflessly protect their friends.
0: Yeah, they're out of their element. And yet they're still they still have the heart mm-hmm. to be like, well, I know this is the right thing, thing to do. So let me, you know, mm-hmm. there's a part where once they Merry Marion Pippin, they kind of they kind of the entire army just walks by Boromir even though he's yeah. still alive and the the justification I gave it is like because the main Urukai hit him with three arrows they're like that's the boss's capture oh maybe yeah like he's he's been hit by the boss that's his fight and we'll let him do whatever but that's not our concern but if he had been still fighting they would have killed him but I think once he's marked with the arrows they're like not our business let's get out of here
1: or um I was also thinking they they just assumed like oh he's going to be dead and two seconds anyway so it doesn't matter um i (laughs) each time i've seen that scene now i i've i always expect for him to just get like trampled over (laughs) and like knocked down
0: (laughs) by an by an elephant mr yeah
1: Yeah, so the the big guy the big urukai, comes in and is about to you know deliver one final blow and it's like oh rip And then, bam, it's Aragorn again to save the day. I think I forgot to mention, so earlier it cuts to Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli fighting, and they hear the horn of Gondor. I thought it was going to sound a lot more regal, but it kind of just sounds like a horn on a clown car or
0: something. (sighs) Sounds like a dying goose.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) they go running to help him and then Aragorn comes in and it's a while before Legolas and Gimli show up and I'm like that doesn't make sense because Legolas is an elf and he should theoretically be moving faster than Aragorn so he should get there first yeah. like where the hell were you guys during all this time but Aragorn this another fight scene that I'm like this is good this is great great moment the the shield gets mm. thrown and pins him to the tree and I'm like oh to be that shield <laughs>
0: To be wrapped around his neck.
1: Oh, my God. Um, and the, it was really shocking for me the first time I saw it because I was like, oh, my God, he just decapitated him. Oh. And then I was like, oh, oh, it has a little like a little curve notch, in it. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> that is a great. There are some really innovative like battle sequences done that I because I, I feel like most action movies is like the trope is a guy swinging a sword and he he hits this guy and kills this guy. And then as he's standing there. He randomly will shove his short sword behind him and impale someone someone who is running up behind he him like about just to kill him. To be there, yeah. And it's such a trope of like wah wah, like oh, the, every every action movie does that. But I love in this, there's like some innovation of like this shield moment. I think is really really unique in terms of like he gets caught and slides down.
1: Mm-hmm. And there's
0: also a point where Legolas takes out an arrow, stabs a guy through the head with yeah. it. Uh-huh. and then fires it at a different guy yeah, where I'm that's like cool. that's kind of I've never seen a movie do that before so I think there's some mm-hmm. innovation in like the action sequences for sure
1: yeah yeah um, and you also it's not like oh Aragorn just comes in and like easily defeats this guy like it's a battle you yeah. see him getting his ass kicked
0: even when he cuts off his even when it's like the the Black Knight from Monty Python where he like cuts off his yeah. arm he cuts <laughs> off his arm arm and, the, and impales him and the guy grabs the sword and pushes it deeper and it's like and Whoa. like
1: pulls him closer yeah. and for a second I was like are you s&m much kiss? yeah
0: man flesh much
1: <laughs> yeah and there's one moment where he gets kicked in the face and his mouth is all bloodied and yeah um he he decapitates the orc it's real nasty
0: mm-hmm, <laughs> and i'm like mm-hmm. ooh,
1: damn okay mm-hmm. you did that and then he sees he sees boromir lying on the ground and dying this is another great scene it's a great it is a good Boromir scene and I don't just mean that because oh my god he's finally dying and I've been waiting for this for an hour and a half it's genuinely a good scene and it's it's also really sad it makes me it makes me feel for Boromir because some of his last thoughts he has is that we are going to fail and Gondor is going to fall and this has all been for nothing yeah and it's really it's really sad and Aragorn is like that's not going to happen he says oh captain my captain yeah (laughs) Um, But he does say he says he said Boromir his last words are my king and that's really impactful because in the first scene you see with Boromir and Aragorn in the Council of Elrond Boromir says Gondor has no king.
0: I think I think it would have been a little more effective and this is just personal taste or personal proclivity. I think it would have been a little more effective if as he was saying he's like my brother my captain my wife like I, th- I think I think and then he dies like I think that's I don't know if that happened in the books I can't recall but I feel geez. like that's maybe a little more impactful yeah Mary Clay is uh, walking away from the microphone she's jumping out of the window she lives on the first story so she's fine she's getting back into the house it
1: was <laughs> that was like the equivalent of a Rickroll for me
0: <laughs> where you're like what's Adol gonna genuinely say and then you're like wait it's Adol
1: um, yeah, Boromir dies. Legolas and Gimli finally show the f*** up. Yeah,
0: and they're like, what What did we miss? And it's like, a lot, and actually. Legolas, yeah. the,
1: the, Orlando Blame does, does this a lot. There are a lot of looks he has as Legolas where he's, like, confused about what's happening. He's like, mm-hmm, what? Mm-hmm. This is confused. Oh, oh, humans can die. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Yeah, so Boromir's dead. Uh, rip. <laughs> except, so so this is the thing: is that everyone was telling me every time I like hated on Boromir's in the books is everyone was always like, oh, just wait, he gets redeemed, and he's so much better in the movies. He gets redeemed. Yes, this is a great moment. He he died protecting Merry and Pippin. Except for not really, because Saruman's orders were to keep the halflings alive, so Merry and Pippin were never actually going to be killed, and they got taken anyway. So Boromir actually didn't didn't save them.
0: It would be interesting if after Merry and Pippin were taken, Boromir calls Sauron and he's like, I know you've taken Merry and Pippin and I have a certain set of skills that Skill. make people like me a nightmare for people like, eh, you, you know where I'm <laughs> going with this. I'm so sorry.
1: Well, Aragorn does kind of go Liam Neeson taken mode in in Two Towers with oh, his yeah. like intensity trying to find the hobbits. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah.
0: So they put they put Boromir in that boat and Aragorn steals his bracers like He's putting on his. Um,
1: oh, is that what he does?
0: I think he takes his like his wrist guards.
1: Oh, I thought he was just like um, like readjusting his oh, maybe. armor or something.
0: I have to take a look, but I think every time I've watched it, I'm always like, oh, he he, he took his properly displayed him, but to honor him, he's taking part of his armor. But maybe I'm maybe maybe I'm missing that, I don't or know. maybe I'm yeah. misunderstanding that.
1: Yeah, Boromir gets yeeted off of a waterfall. Which has to be funny for people who are not familiar with the books, because in the books, you know that they're sending him down the river so that he can return to Gondor. Um, And it's kind of like the only equivalent of a burial they can give him. But in the movie, just goes down this yeah. huge
0: waterfall. Looks like it's just sending him down a music park ride.
1: Yeah, exactly. What up, Mary Clay from the future? I uh, forgot to share some of the tweets that I had tweeted at this point in the movie four years ago. I just needed to share one of them because it basically is what set all of my thoughts and feelings about Fellowship of the Ring and Lord of the Rings until I started this podcast. So I tweeted, hang on, this thing has five minutes left and they ain't even at Mount Doom yet. In all caps, you mean to tell me this movie is all set up? And yeah, that turned out to be my most, I guess, memorable thought from that first time I watched Fellowship of the Ring because it stuck with me all these years, and I was watching the movie with the full expectation that they would destroy the ring in the first movie. That didn't happen, and I was just like, well, that's dumb, and then I never watched them or picked it up again until four years later, and now here we are. Okay, back to the pod. We go back to Frodo, who is just standing there this entire time on the shore, and I'm like, Frodo go literally all of this action is happening do anything so that you can get away safely
0: yeah a lot of the movies Frodo's just like Captain Malay's, where he's just like standing and like like pondering something and it's like Frodo everyone is just, dying because of you like do <laughs> something go.
1: yeah exactly he has a flashback of this conversation that he had with uh, Gandalf in Moria and it it just like it gets me every time I loved this scene in the books it was a great scene in the movies and he, he's like I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish they'd never happened at all. And Gandalf is like, I know, and so do all who live to see such times. But um, the only thing that matters is what to do with the time that we we're given. And it's, oh, it just like chilling, it gets beautiful. Ya. I feel yeah. like
0: Ian McKellen could read the lyrics to like Aqua's Barbie Girl, and I'd still be like <laughs> be weeping good, yeah. and like have goosebumps and be like, yes. And
1: so he pushes off and goes to sail away by himself. The end. Just kidding. Sam comes in and this is where I was like oh my god Sam was really annoying for me Um, so in the books I really didn't like Sam and his character and his relationship with Frodo is more like it's uncomfortable because it's more like master servant than friends and they do a much better job in the movies of being like they're just two bros chilling in a hot tub five feet apart because they're not gay (laughs) They're not gay. First, they're of all, just two buddies
0: sopping wet, hugging in a canoe. Yeah, <laughs> setting off an adventure.
1: Sam goes to run after him, and apparently, so they had to film this scene. They had divers go in the river and look for any debris, so that Sean Astin could walk in and do this scene. Apparently, they missed a piece of glass, and it pierced his foot from top to bottom, oh. and he had to be helicopter transported to a hospital and get stitches. Someone was fired. That That's day.
0: nightmarish.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, truly gross. Um, And he wades out into the water and Frodo's like, you can't swim. And Sam's like, I don't care. And starts drowning. This is really the height of Sam's annoyance for me in the movies. And he starts drowning. And this is another fun fact where I'm like, yeah, obviously you didn't need to put that in the trivia section. Um, the This underwater sequence was actually filmed in a dry studio with fans and the water effects were added in digitally later. And I'm like, yeah, we you can, can tell. <laughs> you can tell. <laughs> and Frodo jumps in and saves him. Sam's like, yeah, you're going to Mortar, but I'm coming with you too. And truthfully, I felt like they were about to kiss. And yeah, it's a really it's a really sweet moment of two two straight dudes and their their friendship just their their platonic friendship Mm -hmm. and then we cut back to legolas and gimli and aragorn and legolas is like they've reached the eastern shore let's go and aragorn doesn't move and he's like we're not going after them are we
0: you mean not to follow
1: yeah and aragorn's like our journey with them has ended and we are not going to leave mary and pippin to the orcs we're going to go after them and we're going to save them and i really like how they did this in this in the movie because it feels very it's very triumphant it's very like all right we're moving Moving, like they're moving on to a different, a different journey, a different part of the story, and it's very—it sets off with a lot of momentum and like gets you excited, like yeah, like because his his last line is "Let's hunt some orc," and then they go off in Liam Nees- Neeson Taken mode.
0: Truth. LHSO, baby, let's hunt some orc. <laughs> yeah, and Gimli could not. Gimli's like vibrating with excitement of just like yeah. yes.
1: Gimli's greatness he's like yeah let's go <laughs> yeah we go back to Sam and Frodo and it's like all right this it's you know knowing what's to come. It's it's just them for from here on out until a terrible creature joins them in the beginning of the next movie but and, and they have a great moment say you know frodo says like I'm glad you are with me Sam as they watch the sunset and I really I know I've joked a lot about like oh they're just two straight guys it's definitely not gay but like had this been a man and a woman I feel like this would have been the point where they're like oh they're romantic interests now and like frodo is gonna kiss Sam
0: yeah and gollum represents the sexual tension between them <laughs> which is precious uh. I feel like day one on the set I, I, I'm guessing uh, what's the guy Sean Astin well, I guess there's two Sean's in the fellowship. I guess Yeah,
1: Sean Aston plays Sam and Sean Bean, or as I like to say, literally every time I read his name, my brain goes scene bean. Seen Bean.
0: Scene Bean. Um uh, plays Boromir, yeah. My guess is like Sean Day one showed up on set and they're like, Action and he's like, Oh, Mr. Frodo, I mean not to. I made a promise and they're like, Cut, great, um, perfect. Sean, um what what uh uh Maybe some different choices yeah. here. Yeah, so so. I've what made, is your accent exactly? <laughs>
1: I've made fun of the fact that anytime he screams Frodo's name, it's the exact same inflection. It sounds the exact same, and um, yeah, that's um, that's the end of Fellowship Woo! of the Ring. Woo! It's. It's a it's a doozy, but it's it's a good one. I enjoyed it, despite all of the thing you know, negative things that I had to say about it. I think like generally I had I had positive thoughts about it, which I think is as good as you can have when you've been imagining a movie as I have been for the last year and a half.
0: Yeah. And
1: I've had people say that these are the best movies ever made and really setting the bar high. So I was really worried. I was just going to be disappointed, but I wasn't there. There are lots of really great moments that, that make up for the moments that I don't, that I don't care for. So.
0: That's wonderful. Yeah. And if, I think everything you've mentioned in terms of like any sort of issue or complaint or poking fun is totally valid, but yeah, I think it's, it, it's all dependent on like when you see them. So like when I saw them, my young brain was like, this is mov- this is movies. Like, mm. <laughs> because cause I've had like my parents show me stuff where like my mom is like here watch Miracle on 34th Street and I'm like snooze fest this sucks yeah. like they can't even afford color like what a what a waste and she's like I remember growing up and this is like my favorite movie you know and so mm-hmm. so I totally understand that the sort of um, it's all dependent on when you saw it and what was going yeah. on but yeah I, th- I think it's beautiful and and even the I don't know if it's the last line but even that line that, that Aragorn says to Gimli which is very like November two thousand sixteen, which is like it is not a failure if we stay true to each other. It's just like a beautiful Ooh. thing of like we could totally view this as a loss and like give up, but like instead of being mm-hmm. defeated, like there's still good we can do. Like let's go help our friends. Like why are we let letting them you know be yeah. tortured if if um mm-hmm. if we have the free time and that's and then strength, right? I think that's beautiful.
1: Yeah, that's a great. Yeah, that's a great point. Adol, do you have any? Thank you for coming on. Do you thank you for having me. Do you have anything you'd like to, to share with the audience and where people can find you on the Internet?
0: Yeah, you mentioned it before, but I'll, I'll say it again. Um, check out. I have two podcasts called Hello from the Magic Tavern, which is like an improvised fantasy show. So if you like Lord of the Rings, we have a lot of uh, analogous Lord of the Rings moments and we, we do a lot of Lord of the Rings references and stuff. Um, but it's an improv comedy fantasy show. And I also do one called Hey Riddle Riddle, which is me and two friends, and we try and uh, solve puzzles and riddles and lateral thinking problems, and along the way, we do improvised scenes, and it's, uh, I think, a real good time, so check that out as well. And then I also I have a podcast that's no longer going at the moment, but I do a podcast with my sister called Siblings Peculiar, spelled uh, Peculiar, pronounced Peculiar. So check that out if you're looking for something else during the quarantine. And it's uh two it's uh, two siblings who talk about conspiracy theories.
1: Awesome. Listeners, I cannot recommend Hey Riddle Riddle enough.
0: It's oh, thank genuinely
1: you. it is so funny. You guys make me laugh so much and like also just a general thank you for making this podcast because there are a lot of moments in in March and April where like listening to that and laughing aloud were were some of the only like good positive times. Oh, <laughs> so, thank you. That's
0: that's very kind of you to say. So thank
1: you for making it. That's what I'm talking about as a proud member of WBNE. You can learn more about the network by going to wbne.org where you will find all of our shows like Bacon and Eggs, which I have been on a lot this month. We've been covering the Lord of the Rings movies over there with Tyler and Ethan. And on Thursday, we will be doing the last one, Return of the King. And it will probably be the last time they ever invite me on that podcast again. (laughs) Yeah. So if you want to hear my thoughts on Return of the King or Two Towers, I mean, it'll be another two weeks before you hear Two Towers thoughts, but it'll be at least a month before you hear Return of the King thoughts on Tolkien about. So go listen to Bacon and Eggs.
0: Thank you. Howdy, yokes! I'm Tyler Carlin. And I'm Ethan Edgehill. And we host Bacon and Eggs, a movie lover's podcast. It's the most roll-your-eyes-I've-seen-it-before concept for a show. But with new hosts, I promise. Each week, we sit down together and watch a beloved movie. We start by looking at some critical and concrete points and let our conversation flow from there. We've covered all sorts of movies, from Jaws to Little Women. From the Lego Movie to the Lego Movie 2. From Marvel to Star Wars. From Back to the Future to Back to the Future Part 2. And tangents from our frustrations with fast food. To discussing our fear of the Mighty Loom. So if you want a podcast that makes you laugh, download Bacon and Eggs, a movie lovers podcast. With new episodes available every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts, and now on WBNE.org. Ghostbusters 2! I I my my hope and dream was that you would say that.
1: The cover art is by Graphite, aka Vaishawn Brandon. You can support him on Instagram at graphite.vmb. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at TolkienAboutPod, Pod, and you can also join our Facebook group. You can find me on Twitter at MCWhatsUp and Instagram at MC Turned Down for Watt. You can support the podcast by going to patreon.com slash TolkienAboutPod Pod and becoming a sponsor. Katie! <laughs> Oh I have the hiccups. Katie, thank you so much for being a sponsor of the podcast and a longtime supporter. It's very fun uh, to have all these people who have who have stuck around for so long and I'm glad that you guys are enjoying it and I appreciate your support. As always, if you are enjoying what you're listening to, please rate and review especially on iTunes. And if you leave a review and it's nice, I might read it out loud. This one is from Is Mountain 48 I've grown up with this wonderful trilogy and Mary Clay helped me see it with new eyes. Her hilarious commentary and unapologetic attitude are what keeps me listening. I'm so glad you like that because that's kind of the whole shtick. And um, also one more plug for uh, the resources uh, on race and and other topics in Lord of the Rings and other fantasy genres. It's a really interesting topic to dive into and it's also important to to dive into so you can find that and all of the information in the episode description all right cool yeah all that being said Adel do you have any parting words for the audience
0: I have two parting words for you which is my motto my creed words of wisdom and words to live by and I'll simply say that they are my ex.
1: and that's what I'm talking about <laughs>
0: Vote, please.